Well, it's great to um, see you uh, this afternoon. Uh, have you ever honestly looked at your spiritual progress or your spiritual experience or your spiritual growth and wondered, is this it? I know I have. I'm sure many others have too. Maybe you've looked inside and seen sinful patterns of thought and behaviour lodged deep in your heart that seem so ingrained that they're never going to change. Maybe you wonder whether Jesus really is at work in your life, whether his resurrection power really is able to save you and to change you. Maybe you feel vulnerable to evil spiritual forces and wonder if Jesus is able to protect you from them. Maybe you don't seem to be making the same spiritual progress as others around you. For them, it all seems so easy and neat. And for you, it feels very, very different. Maybe your experience of Jesus feels distant, weak and unimpressive. So you end up asking, is this it? Is there more? Am I missing out on something? Do I need something more than Jesus? Is there a secret that everybody else knows about healthy spiritual progress that they forgot to tell me? Maybe that information has gone into the spiritual spam folder. Am I missing out? We've pray to, to a, a spiritual fear of missing out and in those moments it's easy to look at other people who seem to be so sorted and to want what they seem to have now of course it's good to be inspired by the godly example of older more mature believers we should seek to imitate spiritual role models as they seek to imitate Christ but what if asking, is this it, takes us in, frankly, less helpful directions? After all, there are loads of different voices out there offering us spiritual insight and advice that we can listen to. You can find all sorts of stuff out there physically or virtually. Much of it has a thin veneer of Christianity attached to it. You can find people who will make grand claims about their spiritual progress. The kind of equivalent spiritually of posing in front of the mirror who seem to be talking much more about their own experiences and, and, and themselves rather than about Jesus. You can find lots of people who present you with a great long list of rules that you need to follow so God will bless you and your life will go well. Seven steps to spiritual enlightenment. Six easy rules to break through to the next spiritual level. Four keys to unlock your spiritual potential. But they emphasize rules in a way that the Bible doesn't really seem to. You can find people who make you feel naive because of your mere Christianity. When they seem so impressive, so sorted. But it seems that you're missing out as you stay with your simple faith in Jesus. You can find people who make all sorts, present all sorts of solutions to people's deep-seated spiritual fears that have nothing to do with Jesus, but look elsewhere. Friends, 
let's be honest, if asking, is this it, leads us to listen to those voices, voices that would take us away from Jesus, to leave him behind, to swap simple faith in him for a, a more enlightened and progressive version and an upgrade of Christianity, then we are in danger. And the book of Colossians can help us. Because that is exactly the position the first readers of this letter were in. The Colossian church had got off to a good start. They'd been planted by a man called Epaphras, who seems to have been converted under the ministry of the Apostle Paul in the nearby city of Ephesus. Epaphras had been sent back and had planted the church in Colossae. But by the time Paul writes to this young group of Christians, sometime early in the mid-60s, there's a mixed picture to their church life. How often that's the case. It seems that there are some new voices gaining traction in the church, offering an alternative path to spiritual maturity and fullness than the one that Epaphras had first taught them. It's difficult to be entirely sure exactly what this new vision was. It's like listening to one side of a telephone conversation. You don't quite know what's going on. You know something's happened to Jane, but you're not quite sure what it is. Well, most likely this new teaching was some sort of mix of pagan religion, Jewish speculative mythology, and a demand for rigorous aesthetic practices. Either way, Paul is clear in striking language, chapter 2, verse 8, that this new teaching is, in his words, hollow and deceptive. That, again, in his words, it depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. It seems this new teaching was offering deeper advanced additional insight beyond what Paul had already taught them of Christ. They seem to have been suggesting Christ was a fine place to start, an entry-level objective if you like, but the true spirituality needed to look beyond Christ elsewhere for its real goal. And this teaching was dividing the Colossian church into a self-styled spiritual elite who went along with this new teaching and the unenlightened beginners who were left behind. And Paul's response to this issue is summed up right at the heart of the letter in Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 and 7. This is what Paul says, chapter 2 verse 6 and 7. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. In other words, the theme tune of Colossians is keep with King Jesus. Keep with King Jesus. Keep looking to him. Keep connected to him. Keep living the new life that you have in him and rejoicing in the fullness that knowing him has brought you into. Keep with King Jesus. He is a full and able and sufficient saviour. So why look elsewhere? Keep with King 
Jesus. And so to help the Colossian church then, and to help us today keep with King Jesus, Paul starts his letter full of thanks, full of praise to God for his work among them. And this work means this church lacks nothing. And Paul makes that point in three ways. We're just going to think very briefly about this afternoon. The first way this church lacks nothing is they lack nothing in their gospel experience. They lack nothing in their gospel experience. Look down at verse three. Paul says, we always thank God. Why? Here he is. Because we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up in the gospel. I saw sort of you in heaven, sorry. So Paul thanks God for being at work because God has been at work and he's created faith, hope and love in these believers. And faith, hope and love are basically the shorthand for what it means to be a Christian for Paul. They're the DNA from which Christians are built. See, God has worked and these believers have faith in Christ Jesus. They're committed to Christ. They're joined to him by faith. They live life in and through him. God has worked and these believers have love for all God's people. They love one another, including Paul from the heart with spirit-created sincerity. But Paul also writes about how this faith and love has sprung out of the hope that they have. The hope stored up for them in heaven, which they've heard about in the gospel. They have a sure hope. They have Christ in them, as we'll see later in the letter, the hope of glory. They have hope in a Christ who is returning one day and will bring a rich inheritance to all who long for his appearing. See, God has worked. Paul is thankful. These believers are marked by faith, hope and love. This has come through the true message of the gospel we read in verse 5. God has worked and these people are genuine, authentic Christians. There's no doubt about that for Paul. The evidence of the reality of their experience is that they have faith, hope and love. They lack nothing in their experience of the gospel. And Paul wants to reassure them at the beginning of this letter that that is true. Of course they need to grow. Every Christian does. But that growth happens as they press deeper into what they already know, rather than seeking growth away from the gospel. These believers lack nothing in their experience of the gospel. Friends, this. This is meant to encourage us too this afternoon. If we wonder whether God's really been at work in our lives, if we find ourselves swayed by other voices who suggest we should make progress by leaving Christ behind, we can examine our experience. And honestly, if we find faith in Christ in our hearts, a love for other Christians there, and a hope that Jesus is coming back, we should be greatly encouraged. We can be assured that God's been at work in our lives through the gospel. 
that we are God's holy people, members of his family, true Christians. And if that is the case, then we lack nothing in our experience of the gospel. That means we need something radically different to supplement what we already have. Of course, we all need to grow. We need more, but what we need is more of the same, more of the gospel experience, more of Christ's fullness to be at work in our hearts. You see, we don't grow away from Christ. We grow deeper into Christ. It's like a plant in the garden. Plants don't grow away from the soil they're planted in. If you uproot them and leave them out of the soil, they wither and die. Likewise, we grow best in the soil of the gospel rather than elsewhere. So we can ignore other voices that suggest there are deeper experiences to be had away from Christ or that Christ is a good place to start, but the real action happens elsewhere, further on, away from him. No, keep with King Jesus. Why? Because if we've experienced the gospel, we have faith, hope, and love. And there is nothing lacking in your gospel experience and my gospel experience. Let's be assured we lack nothing, firstly, in our experience of the gospel. That's the first way Paul wants to encourage us in this church this afternoon. We lack nothing in our experience of the gospel. The second way Paul wants to encourage these Christians then and us today is that we lack nothing in the gospel message, the message that we've heard and responded to. Look at verse 5. Paul describes the gospel message as the true message of the gospel. A message that is real and authentic and true for all people at all times and in all places. True as opposed to the false messages that these other new voices are promoting. No, it is this true gospel, Paul says in verse 6, that is bearing fruit, that is abundant, but that is growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. They lack nothing in their experience and hearing of the gospel message, this gospel message that has a dynamic within it that grows, that bears fruit and produces life wherever it goes. That's what had happened at Colossae. But no, not just at Colossae. This true gospel had had fruitful results all over the known world in Paul's day. He says it's borne fruit in towns and villages, amongst the rich or the poor, amongst men and women, amongst religious Jews or pagan Gentiles. Wherever you go, Paul says, where the gospel has gone, it's borne fruit and been effective. And that's meant to further reassure the Colossians that they're on the right track spiritually. The gospel that's been fruitful in their city is the same gospel that's been fruitful all over the known world. One of the advantages uh, that even I've had is that we've moved around uh, quite a bit living in different parts of the country, and you soon realise that different parts of the country have different local, uh, quirky, unique words for certain things. 
So here we go, let's run an experiment. Uh, what do you call uh, the passageway that, that runs down the side of your house? Is it an alley? Is it an entry? Is it even a jetty for some of you? Uh, or what do you call uh, a round piece of bread? Is it a cob? Is it a roll? Is it a batch? We could argue all day till the cows come home about the right word to use. And that's okay when we're talking about bread. Local variation is allowed with bread, but not with the gospel. You see, it's the fact that it's the same gospel that's bearing fruit in Colossae as all over the world is proof that they have heard the genuine, true, authentic message. The gospel message of God's grace. His unconditional love and free acceptance in Jesus of all. Lacking in the gospel message that these believers have heard. And friends, that's meant to reassure us too today. If we have heard the true gospel, then we don't need to go chasing after other ideas or speculations or teachings to somehow correct or improve or fill in the missing gaps in our spiritual knowledge. Any other teaching that wants to add to the gospel, maybe filling in missing bits, maybe correcting wrong emphases is to be rejected. The true gospel is all that is needed for fruitful spiritual growth. It's the gospel that bears fruit. We need to press deeper into the gospel, think through its implications and experience its power more fully, but we don't shift away from the gospel. No, there's nothing lacking in the gospel we've heard. So friends, let's be aware of any teaching we come across that majors on anything else rather than Christ. Again, let's be really clear. It's not that Christ is somehow the way into the Christian life, but that there are bigger, better, more exciting things apart from him. It's not that Christ is somehow the support act, the warm-up man to get us ready for the real deal to come later. No, Christ is the real deal, the headline event. And so if you and I have heard the true gospel, then there is nothing lacking in our experience, nothing lacking in the gospel message that we've heard. Let's be assured, there is nothing lacking in the gospel that we've heard, as long as we've heard the true gospel. And Colossians will help us in the coming weeks assess whether we have heard the true gospel or not. And if we have, be encouraged. There's nothing lacking in the gospel that we've heard. Thirdly, and finally, Paul wants to encourage these Christians then and us today, there is nothing lacking in the gospel messenger who brought the word of God to them. There is nothing lacking in the gospel messenger. Nothing lacking in Epaphras who planted the church in Colossae. Look at verse 7 and 8. Paul says, you learned the gospel from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. See, Paul commends Epaphras to this church. He's an authorised minister of Christ. He's an approved delegate from Paul to minister to this church. 
Maybe there were some voices suggesting that Epaphras' teaching was deficient in some way. Well, Paul is having none of it. This is meant to reassure these believers. They've heard the true gospel from a true gospel messenger. They can trust Epaphras. They don't need to listen to any other voices. There's nothing lacking in the gospel messenger. And friends, this is, again, meant to reassure us today. See, if we have heard the gospel from a true gospel messenger, we don't need to chase after other teachers to straighten out where we're lacking. Again, let's be honest, there's always a tendency to follow the latest Christian celebrity preacher. And that can be helpful, but that can be unhelpful too. It's great to benefit from the teaching of wise people from around the world. And the internet and time on lockdown allows us to do that through YouTube, podcasts and live streams like never before. But we need to be careful. There is a whole lot of rubbish out there that is simply false teaching. Like the influence and teaching of Joel Austin, for example. If you don't believe me, make sure you watch the excellent Netflix documentary, American Gospel, uh, and that will help you think through that issue very clearly. But even if we're accessing helpful biblical material, we need to ask ourselves, why? Do we somehow think we need that input from those other teachers? Otherwise, we won't grow that we won't grow in the same way unless we're tuning in each week to Tim Keller or John Piper or Andrew Wilson or insert whatever Christian name you listen to. Friends, if, if we've heard the true gospel from a true gospel messenger, we lack nothing. Maybe that messenger isn't as gifted as Piper or Keller. Okay, that's fine. Few are. That's not really the issue. They're responsible for us in a way that Piper and Keller aren't. They know us in a way that Piper and Keller don't. We grow just as well under an unknown gospel messenger as we can under the biggest name of Christianity. Why? Because the power for life and spiritual growth is ultimately in the gospel, not the messenger, strictly speaking. Now, of course, the messenger needs to communicate the true gospel. But where that is happening, whether that name is well known or obscure, a conference speaker or a faithful minister that's never heard of outside his patch all the days of his life, we lack nothing. So let's be careful what's driving us if we're striving and always connected with new and other teaching. Let's be confident and clear there is nothing lacking in the gospel messenger, if he's brought us the true message of Christ. So, is this it? Well, it all depends. If that question drives us deeper into Christ, oh, then yes, there is more, so much more of him to know and experience and enjoy. But if asking the question, is this it, drives us away from Christ, then no. There is nothing else. Everything else apart from Christ is hollow and deceptive and will not give life. 
friends, we lack nothing in our gospel experience, in our grasp of the gospel message, and in benefiting from the ministry of the true gospel messenger. We lack nothing. So let's be assured. Let's resolve not to listen to those other voices offering us different views of spiritual life, health, and progress that forget about Christ. Let's do what Paul says. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Let's make it our aim that just as we receive Christ Jesus as Lord, we continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as we were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Why don't I pray and ask God to help us do just that, and then we'll see in response. Father, thank you for the confidence we can have this afternoon that if we have heard the true gospel from a true gospel messenger, then our experience is real and genuine and we lack nothing. Help us please to be convinced and assured that Christ is a full and complete saviour and we lack nothing in what we know of him and what he's doing in our lives. Help us to want to grow deeper into Christ rather than seeking avenues away from Christ. And would you teach us through the book of Colossians in the coming term to keep with King Jesus, that we live our lives fully in him for our joy and for his praise and glory we ask it. Amen.